what people don't uh i don't i don't know if people have been tracking this but there have already been moves made throughout the world to tie the prices of oil gold etc to other currencies other than the us dollar or it could be like a basket of currencies for example if that happens the us is in trouble because their currency is no longer the dependent upon currency in order to settle these kinds of trades. It's no longer as needed as it once was. We could be kicked to the point of no return where we do default and we do come to a crisis of sorts and we will no longer have as much of an impact across the world as we do today. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. This podcast is intended for free thinkers, entrepreneurs, and knowledge seekers. Join us as we discuss relevant financial topics, explore with guests their financial journeys, and engage with experts in industries such as space, media and entertainment, real estate, and many more. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required. You're with your hosts, myself, Tim Bickmore, and my colleague, Nathaniel Leach. And today, we are going to be talking about the U.S. government and the potential of not getting past the debt ceiling, Mm. or increasing the debt ceiling, I should say. Mm. Or as some people have coined it, at least back in 2011, I'm not sure if the media has used this term yet, but the fiscal cliff, meaning we're going to fall off the fiscal cliff and default on our debt Mm. as the United States, as a country. Mm. So we have Nathaniel here, ask some questions, talk a little bit about it. It's been coming up quite a bit within conversations with clients. So we thought, hey, you know what? Let's address this on the podcast and give our thoughts. So Nathaniel, to start us off, what in the world's going on? What's happening right now? <laughs> uh, my initial answer to that question is probably not suitable for podcasting. So keep that. We'll keep that no, for yeah. like personal conversations. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, so what is happening in the news today this uh, alleged fiscal cl- fiscal cliff is essentially this is that congress is in charge of the purse strings of the us government so congress has for decades set a debt ceiling of how much the us debt can run up to so then once they set that limit it is then their responsibility tied with uh, institutions like the treasury to then spend the money and also raise debt in order to spend said money if they don't have enough revenues, that is tax revenues coming in to support their expenditures. So notice was given by Treasury Secretary Yellen that uh, last week that we we hit our debt limit and that she estimated that sometime in June and July of this year, that they that the treasury would run out of options in order to pay their bills and could potentially uh, default. The U.S. government could default on their debts. So there's a lot that that can mean, which we're going to dive into here. But just some some technicalities that I, I want to hit on is that so Congress raises the debt level. Excuse me. The the um, yes the debt levels. They raise the debt levels. And then uh, once that debt level is that ceiling is reached, we can't technically take on additional debt, which is how we've been 
uh, cash flowing our government principally for the last few decades. Even though there was a couple of years where we technically didn't have a deficit during the Clinton years, uh, those were abnormalities over the last few decades. So if we can't raise more debt, then we don't have money to not only pay our bills, but to pay our, our debt obligations. So the main concern is if we the, if we can't repay our debt obligations, because if we can't repay those, then we go into default. And that's where that has world implications. So, okay, we go into default, which is a great background. What what are those implications? What happens if we were to go in default, for example? What would that do on a high level? So if we go into default, a lot of things could potentially happen. So what people need to, to remember is that the U.S. dollar is a global reserve currency. So what does that mean exactly for our audience? So what that means is that we the US dollar is typically tied to the world's trade in terms of the settlement of debts, uh, principally comp comprising of their tying to commodities. So uh, oil, gold, other large commodities are tied to, are settled to in US dollars. So I'm talking like sovereign nations settle their trades with the US dollar. So that that means that we're we're like the global reserve currency in the sense that the dollar is needed. It's necessary in order to settle these trades. That is as of today. If that goes away, then <laughs> then trade could potentially come to a standstill. The uh, U.S.'s ability to pay its debt obligations could come into question which could result in U.S. Treasury rates, uh, bonds, notes, treasuries, uh, their, their interest rates going up, which means that the cost to borrow and every other kinds of price that you can imagine could go up even more so than what we're currently experiencing uh, globally uh, with regards to other inflationary pressures, which are actually tied to commodities and um, supply chain imbalances as a result of, of COVID. The commodity is more about, um, some would argue that over the last decade, uh, investments within commodities, principally oil, uh, and, and other investments in commodities necessary for electric vehicle batteries production, uh, those investments have not been what they should be in order to meet our needs into the future. That's that's a decades investment gain. And there are some that say that that has been lacking in the last decade and as such will cause inflation, structural inflationary pressures going forward. And to, to pause you right there for just a minute. So when you're talking about the United States potentially defaulting on their debt, so in this you know vacuum, as you like to say, we default. Mm. If we default, that would create more inherent risk to those instruments. Mm -hmm. That inherent increase in risk, then you're saying increases the interest rate of those instruments, for example, treasuries, bills, and so on and so forth. That's why the rates would go up. 
Correct. And that would in turn, those those increasing costs for the, the U.S. government debt would then subsequently filter into other markets. So uh, corporate bonds, municipal bonds, all of those interest rate cre- increases, just as we see with the Feds mm-hmm. increasing their um, overnight rate. That's actually what they increase is their overnight trading rate, uh, interest rate. And then that subsequently uh, filters into all other debt instruments. It's the same concept that if the cost to borrow for the U.S. government goes up, that in turn that will then filter out into the U.S. markets, the U.S. debt markets, and then could likely subsequently filter into the rest of the world's debt markets as well, because they are potentially backed by so interlinked, yes, U.S. government dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. All right. That is a lot. I know there's probably more to it, but I think that's probably pretty good high level thought process. Hmm. And for our audience, I, I jumped Nathan around our agenda a little bit, but I'm going to bring him back. Uh, so we're talking about the default. We're talking about what happened now. Now we've talked about this in house a little bit. This seems very similar to back in 2011 mm-hmm. when the fiscal cliff, or at least that was what the media was portraying it as again, as it was kind of named it as such was happening. And this happened, I believe it was the end of 2010, December of 2010, going into uh, the beginning of 20, 2011, mm-hmm. um, and not being able to raise the debt ceiling and this risk of default. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you just explain a little bit how maybe that's similar to today or any differences from today, uh, overall from back in 2011, then now to 2023? Well, it's um, it's a similar circumstances where Congress and the presidency played chicken. That hasn't happened yet, but that could happen where both sides play chicken until they both compromise and come to the table. But in 2011, subsequently in 2013, and actually in, in from 18 to 19, uh, there was a, there there were shutdowns in 13 and, and 18 and 19 as well. So two shutdowns. Uh, in 2011, what happened was that the debt ceiling was also being reached and Congress and the presidency couldn't agree on increasing it, couldn't come to an agreement. And also in between Congress, they couldn't come to an agreement to raise it. And as a result, um, this caused markets around the world to become turbulent. Uh, interestingly so, treasuries actually, the prices actually increased. So there was a, a, a flight to safety concept where uh, people were so afraid of like the EU defaulting that they in turn fled to the U.S., even though the U.S. was having issues with this debt ceiling standoff. Uh, and so people also have to remember that we were coming out of the 0809 great financial crisis at this time as well. We were still feeling those after effects at the end of 2010 into 2011. So there's still a deal of, of fear and uncertainty which we also spoke about internally, uncertainty, which uh, is really quite key to to people's emotional needs in the sense that um, we have to remember that people drive markets. So when the markets feel fear that and then fear of uncertainty, they're feeling the fear of uncertainty. They're not getting certainty. They're not getting concrete uh, knowing of what's going to happen. Then they feel that fear. Then they start to panic. So it was very interesting in the U.S. Mar- uh, debt markets, the U.S. Treasury markets uh, acting as they did. But the stock markets, the U.S. stock markets did take quite a tumble from that fear. So there, the, the S&P also downgraded the U.S. government's credit rating from AAA to AA. They were the only uh, credit rating bureau to do so. The other two held out uh, and did not downgrade the U.S. at that time. I don't think they've done it since. 
But uh, that was the first time ever that the U.S. had been downgraded. And I, I, I personally wonder if that's what scared Congress into into acting. But it's also kind of scary that it took that for Congress to get their head on straight, which speaks to the main fears here in that it's possible, but highly uncertain that I would, I would say it's possible for Congress to push it so far to the brink that there could be an unintended consequence that could then have future after effects that Congress just isn't thinking of. And that's the problem with second and third order effects is that it's it's very difficult for people in the seat when they're driving to see those second and third order effects because they're typically driving in the moment and they don't uh, they don't know what's going to happen. So these consequences happen. So the, the fear is that there could be some second and third order after effects that could have uh, unfortunate effects in the future that people are that the Congress is playing with fire or could play with fire to the point of reaching those those results in a roundabout fashion. I'm trying to say it's not good. <laughs> it's not that definitely isn't good. So it sounds like is there any differences between what's going on today versus 2011? You kind of made similarities that obviously we've reached this point of, hey, we have to make an agreement. Um, where are they going to go with this potential agreement or come with a conclusion of what they should or shouldn't do? Um, is there any like big differences compared to 2011 at all? I would say it's too soon to say okay. because it was just announced last week and this the newly elected speaker is, has been saying that, hey, we're willing to negotiate. and But the speaker is coming from a very weakened position after having to make all these deals, uh, both publicly and privately to various members of Congress in order to get elected in the first place. He is negotiating from a very weak stance to begin with and is heavily dependent on on a few votes in order to get his proposed agenda across the finish line. So if we're talking about raising the debt ceiling, you know that there's going to be certain congressional members that may hold out. And unfortunately, to the effect of hurting the U.S. government's um, credit rating, perhaps, or maybe something to do with their their view on the world stage. Um, or it could continue to contribute to the decline of the U.S. dollar as the global reserve currency. Well, people don't, uh, I don't, I don't know if people have been tracking this, but there have already been moves made throughout the world to tie the prices of oil, gold, etc., to other currencies other than the U.S. dollar, or it could be like a basket of currencies, for example. If that happens, the U.S. is in trouble because their currency is no longer the dependent upon currency in order to settle these kinds of trades. It's no longer as needed as it once was. Once that comes to the point where it's just needing a, a kick over, where, where it needs like that inflection point, there has to be a catalyst for it. If this comes around again, this kind of situation, and we could be kicked to the point of no return where we do default and we do come to a crisis of sorts and we will no longer have as much of an impact across the world as we do today. So that's where I'm kind of trying to get at in a roundabout way in that 
right now, I think that the, the odds of this happening are low. I think it's pretty low. I think that the U.S. dollar, I think the U.S. government is, is, I think the rest of the world is too dependent on what happens to us right now. But that doesn't mean it's always going to be like that. Mm -hmm. If that ever changes, that's where it becomes a risk. But we're not there yet. And quite frankly, we got to do our best to make sure that we're never in that position. And that's where we are at the, the will of Congress, unfortunately, to do the job right. That was actually a pretty good conclusion at the end there, wrapping it up. Okay. So just to summarize what you just mentioned, obviously what's going on is that we are approaching where we have to do something about the debt ceiling. Mm -hmm. um, what that turns out to be is still unknown. As Nathaniel mentioned, it's early on. It's very similar to what happened back in 2011, if people remember, mm -hmm. um, during the fiscal cliff timeframe, trying to up the debt ceiling. And if we do default, Nathaniel obviously pointed out some really key points of Look, where does, the, where does the U.S. dollar currently sit as a world reserve currency? Where is it going to sit in the future potentially? And then how is the United States going to act to make sure that we are still in that position um, really from a, a PowerPoint and being able to uh, have some of the luxuries that comes with being the world reserve currency as a country, um, which is interesting. But the odds today, as you mentioned, it may be pretty low for us to default on our debt due to the impact, not just locally here in the United States, but also mm -hmm. across the world, um, even looking at countries like China, who's up and coming, obviously, mm -hmm. and other countries that are involved. So having some of that world influence, obviously, is helpful. Is helpful. Um, but that may not be the case in the future, mm -hmm. which is something that obviously the United States and Congress and our politicians should pay attention to, obviously, as we go, hopefully there, cross our fingers. I think that's pretty well summed up there. Damn yeah, my vote. Neil did a great job talking about our macro topics. Doesn't always love to talk about macro, but this was a good conversation. So thank you, everybody, for uh, everything that you guys have done for us and listening to us talk about a few things that we like to talk about. And we will talk to you later. Like and subscribe. Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker-dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments, broker-dealer or custodian may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC. Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.